Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of Young Muslim and Talented with me, your host, Mohammed Randari. And today I'm very fortunate to not have one or two, but three um, guests. Um, and I'm talking to, I hope you don't mind me calling you the Naseem Trio or the Naseem Sisters. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, assalamu alaikum and, and, and welcome. So, we have Amna, Mahnoor, and Rabia, or should I say, um, Amna, Rabia, and Mahnoor in, yeah. in order. <laughs> um, so, do you want to give us a quick introduction uh, to who you are? And, and maybe if you could start off with Amna, then uh, work our way through Rabia and, and Mahnoor in terms of who you are, what you do right now, and um, what you want to talk about maybe on, on, on this podcast. Sure. So, assalamu alaikum. Um, I'm Amna. I'm the oldest of uh, the three sisters that we have here today. Um, currently, I'm working in internal audit. Um, I work for a pharmaceuticals um, company as uh, an internal audit manager. Hi, guys. So I'm Rabia. I'm the, the middle sister. Um, I'm also working in internal audit. I would like to say that it was a coincidence, but it wasn't. I completely followed my sister. Um, I'm working in an insurance firm at the moment, but I work in internal audit. Um I think in terms of what I what I'm expecting from this podcast is kind of rather than kind of preparing my answers or anything for me this is kind of exciting because I feel like I can learn a bit about myself as well um, from the questions that you ask. Okay, I guess it's me. Hey everyone, I'm uh, Manur, but like everybody calls me Mani, so you guys can too. Um, so I'm a little bit different to my sisters. I've just graduated uni. Um, I did economics. And I was supposed to be going into a graduate job, um, which is with an insurance broking firm. But because of the current circumstances, coronavirus, my start date's been pushed back a little bit. So I'm kind of in the limbo stage where I've come out of uni, but I've not gone straight into a graduate job right now. Um, I guess what I'm trying to get out of this podcast, it's it's similar to Robbie. I feel like um, you'll find out later, like our upbringing's been a little bit um, we haven't necessarily always been around a Muslim community. Um, so we just I just want to learn more and learn more about myself. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for giving me your time on a Sunday. I, I, I you know, I know for a lot of my guests, that's a that's a bit of a sacrifice, and I really, really appreciate it. So I like thanking you for it. Um, and I'm really interested to hear about this whole COVID impact and and how it's um, uh, what effect it's happened have had on you on uh, Mahnurian in sort of transitioning into your first uh, career. But we'll pick up on that a bit maybe a bit later on in the podcast. I'm um, if if we can start off with I, I know you you mentioned internal audit and. Sort of maybe a professional services. So I know that both you and Rabia started off in professional yeah. services firms and then transitioned over to industry. Yeah. What was your, I guess, because Rabia sort of alluded to following in your footsteps, what was kind of the decision making process of you going into professional services and then finding us maybe a calling in, 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 in internal audit or a career in internal audit? Yeah, so I think for me, it kind of happened by chance. Um, so I remember just being very confused. And I, I know we've spoken about this before as well, where sort of, so we we are Pakistani born in the UK, but um, our heritage is from Pakistan. My parents are from Pakistan. Um, so we haven't really had what you would call a, a stereotypical Pakistani upbringing. But the one thing that I think that came down was for me and not for my sister. So this is where we're different, is that my parents were very much like, well, what are you going to do with your life? You have to be a doctor, an engineer, or a lawyer, or something like this. Um, so there was, they were very limited in terms of career paths at the beginning, you know, when I was very, very young, 
early teens. Um, so I remember being very, very confused um, growing up. And the decision to sort of study maths at university was literally a friend of mine who was like, but you're good at maths, so why don't you just do that? So it was very, very... Um, it just it wasn't planned at all um so I I studied maths and then I was like well what do I do now um and I remember just doing some research on around you know where I can use maths as a degree and and the big four came up um it was definitely something that I was interested in um and my experience at the big four was also very different and I know you've got a lot of listeners that are um sort of maybe thinking of going into the big four um because I actually really enjoyed it um, which I know that some people sort of don't like the fact that it's stressful hours and there's a lot of work to do. I actually really enjoyed it. I think I could also say that I kind of thrived in that environment. The one problem that I had was with my exams. I just could not keep up with sort of my intakes. You know, you go in together and there's a lot of people and you're basically doing the same thing, um, but you kind of have to be the same person. And I definitely wasn't with regards to exams. I couldn't get my head down. I just could not, um, you know, focus on them at all. And that's how I always felt like I was different in this place because I just wasn't one of those people who could just get them done. And if you weren't one of those people, especially working in audit, it just, you either were or you weren't. There wasn't really a space for me. Um, so the decision to kind of move into industry was um, uh, sort of, spearheaded by that because I knew if I went into industry there wouldn't be that kind of pressure um to finish those exams and that's exactly what I found um that there was no pressure at all <laughs> and I could literally do what I wanted to do as I wanted to do um so with professional services I kind of miss it because I kind of miss that challenging environment which industry isn't as much um but I do also enjoy the fact that I, I can do what I want um with regards to exams that's awesome. So you touched on maybe some other people not enjoying um, professional services as much. And I know so I know Rabia, you also made a decision. And it's interesting because you mentioned earlier that you made a decision to follow in your sister's footsteps. Why don't you think you enjoyed your professional services experience as much as potentially Amna did? Sure. So I think if we take a step back and you ask Amna, you know, why did she make that decision? So at the time that Amna was working for one of the big four, um, sorry, professional services, I was doing my internship in a technology firm and probably living my best life, like really, really enjoying myself. But this may be an Asian thing or a Muslim thing, I don't know. But I think something that I noticed around that time is the big focus on the fact that she was doing these exams and she was going to become an accountant. And oh my God, isn't that everything that we wish for our children, right? And whereas I'm working in a, te in a very big technology firm, but I'm just working there as a as a data analyst or as, as a product marketeer. So I think when I was doing my internship and she was in professional services, I probably felt like, okay, so that's a real profession. What I'm doing is not really a real profession because I don't get a tag at the end of it. Um, that's how probably I felt, I think. So then I decided, okay, so my next career is going to be going into professional services because I have a maths degree. Therefore, I can't become a doctor. I can't become a lawyer. I can't really become an engineer, but I can become an accountant. Um, so I went through down that route. Um, I started working there. But I think, so my experience was absolutely the opposite end to Amna. And it's so funny because I did follow her, but we had the total opposite experiences. In terms of exams, I didn't struggle with the exams. I was keeping up. I was doing them. I was getting through them. I struggled mentally with the exams because I didn't want to do them. And I felt like I was being forced to do something that I didn't 
necessarily want. I guess I didn't really want to be an accountant. I just thought it's the right thing to do, right? So I would always question whether I want to continue and Amna was always motivating me, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of those three years, it's going to be worth it. For me, I really, even though that environment was different to where I've been brought up, which is predominantly uh, Caucasian, so white people, um, generally no Muslims, at the, the professional services firm that I was working with was a lot of, uh, a lot of kind of, cultural a lot of uh, people who weren't just white I don't really know how to put that like kind of ethnical people and people who were um generally the same as myself so I didn't struggle in fitting in in that way but I think where I struggled in the big four was just the pressure the constant um kind of bringing you down um, always focusing on kind of criticism and it just wasn't for me I don't flourish in an environment where um, I'm given criticism. I think for me, it's more give me a bit of confidence and I want to prove myself. Give me criticism and I'm, my personality is I'll shut down and be like, okay, I'm not good enough, so I must leave. So I actually, Amna stayed in the big four for three, three and a half years and then made the decision to move. I actually made the decision to move in a year and a half. And it was a really scary decision at the time because um, at the big four, I'm, I'm sure you're aware, you don't, you do exams. And if you fail your exams, you have to leave. Now, if you don't fail your exam, you have to pay to leave because they, they pay for you. Um, and I, I was one of those people, and I probably think one of the very few that made the decision that without failing an exam, I'm going to leave. And I think it's the best decision I ever made. I had the same, a similar experience as, as you both. I sort of didn't like the whole exam process. And I, I similar to Rabia, um, I, I was being told to do it because, you know, from our culture, it's either you have a reputation or it's a piece of paper, right? You either become a doctor or you either have a, an accounting qualification or some sort of qualification that you can show off when you're going for a rishta, right? So, I mean, it's just, um, it, I think learning earlier on to follow your heart and to, um, you, you know, what you want to do um, is something that we need to teach our younger people so that they have that mindset when making a career decision. Um, so transitioning to Manur, because I think you both said that you did maths degrees. or And so, Manur, did you also do the same? or um, So slightly different, not too different. I did economics at uni. Um, and it's a bit of a weird one. I think I genuinely enjoy economics. I actually like the subject. Um, so for me, I think I'm a little bit different from Amna and Rabbit in the sense that I learned from their experiences. Um, I was there to kind of see them go through everything and then make my decisions. Um, so when I was going into uni, I was really thinking about what do I actually want to do? What do I enjoy? Um, as opposed to that, there was an element of, okay, what am I going to do next with this? Um, I, I do like to think of the future as well, but it was less so as much as them from, from what they're saying. I think mine was more, I need to enjoy it, but I also need to be able to do something with it outside. Um, Can I say something there, Mans? Yeah. yeah so sure. I think that that point that she made is really important because that's something me and Amna didn't know. And it's really important for like your listeners to know that one thing me and Amna learned growing up, well, going through university is it's not, you don't have to do maths or, or medical or medicine to then go into a profession like accounting, for example. Yeah. Me and Amna did accounting. The people with us came from various degrees. Somebody had a degree in like classical music. So I think Mani was lucky because the pressure of you have to do either maths or science was taken off of her. And that's a really important message to like young people her age. So the one yeah. thing to say on that point is that we have to also acknowledge that 
our parents are coming to a sort of a relatively new country. They haven't gone through the education system. Um, they haven't gone through the process of finding a career. So, so they're basing a lot of their decisions on what they know from either back home or what they've been taught by their parents. So naturally, you know, of course, it makes sense that we're learning from each other in terms of siblings. And I think like all the mistakes that my, my brother and I made, uh, my twin brother and I made, my little brother also, he didn't make those mistakes because he kind of naturally learned. So, yeah, it is a very interesting point. that. But Manur, what was it like sort of watching their kind of lives play out in front of you? And, and at the time, I guess, growing up, what did it feel like, you know, feel like growing up with these two sisters who actually, you know, are going into quite, um, you know, um, I guess from society's point of view, quite fast-paced um, mm. um environments which are not traditionally seen as environments where women, especially Muslim women, are, are likely to succeed? Um, I think I, I find myself so fortunate to be able to kind of have my older siblings in front of me because what they do, then I, I really do learn from it. Um, I don't think I realized how much I learned from it until like the last few years my, when I had to make these big decisions. And I was like, okay, no to this because of X, Y, Z, or yes to this because of X, Y, Z. Um, I think when when they were doing what they were doing everyone was so proud of them like including myself it was super cool to see your older sisters go in and like get jobs that they they wanted to essentially and then do a really good job in them but then that's kind of like an outsider's perspective right where I lived with them and was always with them I kind of saw the hard times too um and I know myself as a person so I was like okay maybe this isn't for me then if for example Robbie is having a hard time doing this I'm quite similar to her in this aspect then maybe I need to think about if I should do that as well um so I guess yeah it was it was a massive learning curve for me just wanted to add something really really quickly there because you said the one thing about some of these career paths typically not associated with Muslim women in specific um the one thing that I suppose about our upbringing was um, very clear to us. So we have three brothers and three sisters. There was just never any difference. So it wasn't it wasn't a case of me um, being maybe a, a doctor because girls are doctors and my brothers being, I don't know, uh, accountants or whatever um, the split is. It wasn't like that. It was very clear for everybody to um, have a career and be focused on it. But I agree with the point that you said is because our parents came from a different country, a different generation, and they come here and they're trying to build a life here. And I think they're just trying to do what they think is the right thing for their kids. Yes. And it's interesting how Marnie's like, yeah, I learned. And then I made my decision because because we have a little bit of an age gap. It was very clear that it was her decision. And this is something I think is important for kids around about her age, finishing uni, going into the world to find whatever they need to do. There's so much out there. And if you genuinely focus on what you want to do, you will definitely flourish. Um, I actually got lucky because I'm a, uh, we, we joke about it at home, but I'm a very corporate person. Um, so I, I'm fine. <laughs> I, it kind of worked out for me. Um, and it I hope you're not like scheduling of, uh, family meetings and I don't know Zoom calls and whatnot. And honestly, <laughs> I think I've done that in the past. My brother went she to uni, and I was like, "Right, we have a we have a one to one now every week." Um, and he was like, "You're weird." Um, but no, it, it does work out in the end. But the the most important thing for for young kids today, girls, boys, whatever, do what you want to do, and there's space for everybody everywhere. 
Awesome. So, Amna, you mentioned actually your, your upbringing over there. So, I, I know that all three of you went to Catholic school. And whilst I'm directing this question, I guess, to Amna, it would be also interesting to, to hear about um, Rabia and Mahnur's thoughts as well. So, going to a, a, a Catholic school, what effect did you do you think it had on all three of you? And I particularly want to focus on the potential skills or things that you've learned that might not otherwise be accessible to some of um, uh, some some of our community or young people growing up in maybe more insular communities where it's just surrounded by Muslims or just surrounded by people who look and sound the same as us. So what do you think potentially they might be missing out on? So the thing, we so we grew up in a small, small town. Um, and there there were a few schools around, but, you know, it's one of those things where they were like, right, this school, this Catholic school is the best school in our area, so you must go here. So my parents did everything and anything to the point that we had to validate that we were Muslim because you can't go, you couldn't go to the Catholic school without being of a religion. Um, so they, I remember my mom went to the mosque and she was like, please sign that my kids are Muslim and stuff like that. Um, I think the one, the biggest takeaway that I got from our upbringing, which was at home, we had all the culture, all the sort of religion and everything Muslim and, and Pakistani, but at school, none of it. Um, so I remember when I started secondary school, um, when I was 11, I think I was one of four uh, Muslim people in a school of like 1300 kids um, so we just we, we wow. there yeah weren't very many of us and I think the one the biggest takeaway that I took is I think it made me very open-minded and the reason I say that is because so we had to do religious education and I remember on one um, occasion they were they were teaching about Islam and I was sat there um, and they were like well all women have to dress from head to toe in, you know, completely covered. They're not allowed to choose who they marry. They have to have forced arranged marriages. And I was gobsmacked because I was like, this is not my religion. This is not what I've been taught. So how can it be taught in a class, you know, in a, in a, in a class to children who are going to think this is how our religion actually is? Had I gone to a school maybe that wasn't a Catholic school where RE wasn't taught, probably wouldn't have seen that. And I remember saying that, but I'm Muslim. Um, and I don't have this problem and I don't have um, to, to, to cover like this or anything like that. So what I took away from it is that perception um, is not always reality. Um, and also just have to be open minded because I learned a lot about Catholicism, which I think is great. Um, and I, I'm sure I did my part in teaching people um, about Islam as much as I could because I was like the only Muslim there. So I'd get all the questions directed at me. Um, but I did my part to explain that um, our religion, the way it's perceived sometimes to be a little bit suppressive, especially towards women, is not the case, um, especially not in my experience. And I hope I helped broaden people's understanding of it. So I think my one key takeaway from going to Catholic school was just it's OK to accept everybody um, as they are. All religions exist. It's, you know, something personal, something spiritual. Um, and you can be who you want to be with everybody that's different as well. Yeah. My, just go on. No, I was just going to say, just to add to that, like I'm a strong believer in diversity really opens your mind um, and it grows you, uh, your, your mindset and grows you as a person. So for us, that was a really diverse environment and we were able to learn about um, so many different, so it was a, it was a Catholic school, but there was multiple religions there. So we were able to learn about 
all these different religions and different lifestyles and different backgrounds and actually then also kind of not alter our mindsets but learn from them and understand and then develop our own understanding and our own kind of uh, relationship with, re- with religion um but like Amna said as well it worked it worked both ways what I kind of liked was sometimes I feel like Islam has a very um strict connotation attached to it or a strict label attached to it and we don't have that upbringing so I was able to kind of educate my friends um or my peers about about our religion too so that was nice and I have a different view so where these guys are talking about diversity yeah it was diverse and we did learn a lot and I think without me realizing it was a, a big focus on different religions and stuff whereas if I talk a little bit more about dressing this is where I kind of came out my shell a little bit. So in our Catholic school, we only were allowed to wear skirts or kilts. Now, a lot of the Muslim girls, so Amna explained there were only very little Muslim girls. So me and Amna were two of them. Marnie hadn't joined school. And there was probably Amna, two other girls, I think. And, and yeah, maybe two other girls. And then during the years, a few others came along. So they were the only girls and their parents would get permission that they have to wear trousers. They were not going to wear skirts. Whereas me and my sister wore skirts to school. So I was always conflicted because I'm allowed to wear a skirt to school. Therefore, I'm not that Muslim girl. I'm this Muslim girl. But then when it came to wearing our home clothes, so we used to call it Mufti Day, so non-uniform day. When it came to non-uniform day, suddenly I couldn't wear skirts anymore. I couldn't wear shorts anymore. When I went home, I couldn't wear skirts. I couldn't wear shorts. Um, I mean, my mum, it's unfair of me to say that my mum is restrictive when it comes to dressing because she's not. And I know that some potentially some... Uh, some families Muslim families are my mum is not so I would I would be unfair for me to give her that but she was when we were being brought up she wanted us to kind of uh, fit in as I guess good Muslim young girls so she would be like you know don't don't dress in a certain way don't wear you can't wear mini skirts or shorts potentially when we were when we were uh, teenagers young teenagers so I was very conflicted a lot of the time as to why I can wear something to school but I can't wear it when I'm at home and on non-uniform days I used to I think I made it like my target to wear modest covered clothes um, so that all of my peers who could wear whatever they wanted would still think that I look cool. And I remember one day I felt so accomplished and this is going to sound funny. I was in year nine, I think, and it was a non-uniform day and we went out and we got this like these jeans with like long boots and long tops. And my friends were like, oh, you look so amazing. When are you going to take her shopping? And for me, that was the biggest accomplishment because I was like, even though I have to dress modestly, I can still fit in and people still think that I dress well. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, of, of course. I, and I think it's really interesting, this concept of... So I, I did a quite a bit of um, uh, political work with, with a charity and our big focus was how do we get a more representative democracy? So how do we get more people from ethnic minority backgrounds into politics? And so we realized that people, it's easy for people to sit in London and sort of judge people who's, who are living in these small communities in terms of, for example, voting for Brexit without really you know, putting ourselves out there, going and living in the bubble that they're living in and experiencing what they're experiencing. So in some way, I almost see um, you, know, you three as, and even your parents in terms of making the decision to send you to a Catholic school, you're almost acting as sort of pioneers because you're actually going out there and you are at the forefront of representing who we are as a community, but also trying to find the balance between, you know, um, your own identity as a person. And I think that's the struggle. And actually, you've got to acknowledge that 
our parents are quite brave. Like my, I was saying to Omna, my, my parents um, let us, um, well, I say let us, but they were accepting of us going to the University of Surrey. And we had previously just gone to an Islamic school in Tooting. So that's a big change. But our parents were generous or moderate enough, whatever the, on whatever basis they potentially made those decisions, to send us out into those environments. And that comes with an element of trust as well for the young person, because you would have had to trust that the way that you brought up your child allows them to make those decisions, especially when it comes, for example, to Rabia choosing what she should wear for us today, um, making the right decision that would both respect her identity as a Muslim but also help her integrate and uh, and build stronger relationships with her friends. So um, yeah, I I really really liked um, talking through that experience that you all collectively shared, which I think is also quite quite unique. Um, so talk me a little, talk me through a little bit more about your 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 family. So um, your your family, as you mentioned, chose to settle in a very kind of, I guess white part of, of, of the country. Why was that the case and how did that end up happening? Um, and in terms of growing up, um, I think we focused a lot on, on sort of your experience um, outside in, in a Catholic world and, you know, integrating with other communities. But what was it like growing up within your family? Um, what were sort of the uh, outlooks uh, and morals and values that, that, that your, your dad and your mom sort of um, made sure were important in in your family growing up. So, um, I think the decision, and um, from what my dad tells me, because I I don't know, because um, a lot of our family from my dad's side is a lot older than us. Um, so years and years ago, maybe sixty years ago, um, when my first uncle came into the country, I think he did move to an area which was a little bit more um, had an Asian community. Uh, I think it may have been Leicester or Leeds or one of those um, up north. Um, but he was quite business minded. So he was like, I need to go down south um, where he can start setting up his property business. Um, so I think the decision initially to move down to the south was um, based on where he thought he could um, uh, make the most money. Um, and then after that, um, all the people that came into the country, so my dad, my dad's brothers, etc., just settled where he settled um so it was just keeping together um which i think was the key uh, decision maker there so my dad must have been in the country now for about 36 37 years um and we've always lived in in our small town we've never moved out of there and anybody else that's ever sort of come as well who's always come um come into Aldershot um and now very much i think everybody has their own established sort of um, businesses or just like they're settled down um, in the town so it's very difficult now I don't think anybody's going to leave anymore um, so that's kind of I think why that happened um, I forgot what the the rest of your question the, was I was going to say I actually wanted Marnie to answer this one so you asked about kind of family and friends and fitting in and I think you hit them on the head when you said when you said something about we are representing our like culture, Muslim, Muslim kind of identity. And I really want Marnie to talk about this because I feel like out of all, both my sisters, Marnie has come to me a number of times without realizing very conflicted between what her friends or people perceive, like perceive her as because she feels like she's representing Muslims. Then I want her to talk about this. Mm -hmm. um, so for, for me, I'm quite proud of, I like, or I like 
to try and be proud of who I who I am and what I stand for. So, I mean, not always, but like kind of where I'm getting to. So when I make decisions, I I try to do it. So like I've I've thought about it and been like, yeah, this is this is what I believe in at the time or at the moment. So I try to do it like that. Now I think, yeah, there was a little bit of um, not conflict, but a little bit. You get confused a little bit growing up, like uh, uh, the teachings that we kind of are taught about Islam, not necessarily from our parents, but just generally, especially because like I grew up with social media as well. Um, generally, what we're taught about Islam is that is that the way it should be and um not not question it but kind of just understanding like okay what does this mean and then obviously where your friends are or just your peers are so different the question does arise um so I I don't know for me I guess the reason why with what Ravi was saying is because I try to be honest and just try to be proud of like what I am and just find that balance essentially um so I think I think that's what Ravi's talking about when she says that I've come up to her um I don't want people to perceive Islam negatively because to me it's not negative that's why I think I make a conscious effort to when people speak to me or when I need to showcase it in the way I dress or anything to to showcase that it's not the religion that sometimes it's perceived to be or it's not got the negative connotations that for me anyway that people sometimes place on it so I think that that's been my finding the balance there so have you ever, to any of your friends, have you ever had the confidence to say, I can't wear this because I'm Muslim? <laughs> no, but I don't think for me, that's because I didn't, to a certain extent, believe that as well, if that makes sense. I've always questioned that area of it. So until I was educated enough on it, I didn't want to ever say, I can't do this because of X, Y, Z, if that makes sense. But it's also important, it's also important to recognise that we are British Muslims, right? So we've been brought up here. So it's naturally, it is going to be a mix of two cultures. And we shouldn't not be proud of that. I mean, I think, in fact, we need to be more proud of it because that um, says to younger people that it's okay to be proud of both components, important components um, of your cultural identity that make you, you. So, um, yeah. Just... Exactly. Just to take on what everybody's saying and Mohammed, just to answer your question as well. I think the one thing that growing up in our upbringing in terms of our morals and values that has been instilled in us and I feel strongly about it and I would hope that um, your listeners, especially the younger ones, would take away from this as well is that we have always been very proud of who we are. Very, very proud of who we are and we've never been conflicted. You know, um, it's small little things that make a massive difference. I remember my dad. So my dad has a very thick accent. Um, and, but, you know, he's never said a word. You know, you, if you live in a country for so many years, you kind of start picking up the accent. My dad sounds the furthest thing from British. He just not, not one word um, does he say that we'd be like, oh, dad, that sounds a little bit. Uh, he just doesn't. And I remember being like, dad, I mean, we constantly joke with him and make fun of him. But he said something and I was like, dad, you don't say it like this, you say it like this. And he was like, listen, Amna, I'm extremely proud of where I'm from. I'm not going to put on an accent. This is what I speak like. And it's little things like that. I think we've had teachings in our life where we've all been very proud of who we are. You know, we come from a Pakistani background. We are Muslim. Um, Muslims are not just Pakistani, they are from all over the world. We have great cultures, great foods, great colors, great 
everything and it's something to be proud of and I don't know sometimes I've picked up in situations of other people where they you know necessarily don't feel proud of where they're from and uh, feel a little bit different when they're fitting in we've never felt like that we've always felt like we need to represent well so people don't feel that you know there is anything wrong with um the way that we are when we yes we are British yeah we are born here but we have heritage which we can't ignore and pretend doesn't exist um and I think that's that's one of the key takeaways I'd say to the younger kids and I think it's being recognized more and more now in today's day and age that being different is actually great um being the same is not right so the, the more differences you have and the more you accept them uh, the further you'll go in life is what I think I think that's a really great message. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm sure our listeners will really, really appreciate that that point of view. Um, so I want to talk a little bit more about, you know, you three right now, what you're excited about and what the future holds. So I know you you recently started off a an Instagram page. Uh, do one of one three one of the three of you want to tell me what that's what's that all about and and how did it come about and um, what's your plan for the future in terms of are you going to become sort of uh, Instagram? What, what do you, what, what do you call those people now? Instagram famous? <laughs> or, or Instagram. What, what, Instagram. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no. So tell me, tell me um, all about it. <laughs> Amna, go. So the reason this idea came up was because I think we're living in this hybrid age. Um, and I think for me and Rabi more so is that we grew up without technology and then with. Um, because we were at the age where it was sort of taking off, whereas Mani grew up within it, pretty much born in it. Um, so I don't think that the kids of today sort of know a life without it. Whereas I think me and Robbie know a bit of both. Um, Instagram kind of came up for me personally was more around the fact that there are other things that I'm passionate about. And I want to, again, say this is a, a young Pakistani um, Muslim woman. Is It's so important to embrace everything you want to do. Um, if I have a corporate job in finance, that's great. Um, but I want to do so many other things. And it's fantastic to be ambitious. And it's so important for all girls to be ambitious and, and go out there and get what you want to get. Um, so the one thing that I've always sort of been passionate about, and I think my sisters have also been really passionate about, is that um, we're super crazy about fashion and makeup and hair and all of these things. Um, I've always felt like since I went into the corporate world, I couldn't really give back as much as I wanted to um, because you just get busy. And I don't like that. I don't like the fact that it kind of took a, a step back, whereas it was something quite important to me growing up. Um, I love doing makeup. I've never pursued it as a career or anything like that. Um, but I think I'm half decent at doing it. So I, the purpose for me was to kind of have an Instagram where I could showcase those skills and then hopefully start doing makeup where I could potentially do makeup for somebody and then give it to charity. Um, or um, help somebody out who can't afford, um, uh, you know, a, a crazy makeup artist who charges like a thousand pounds for a, a bridal look or whatever. So that's just my little way of giving back. Um, I will let Marnie and Robbie explain their parts of it. But for me, um, the reason why it's as a trio and not as one person is because I think we all give our little bits to it and collectively it's probably more interesting as opposed to just uh, me um, with just a, a makeup page and also 
because we are doing other things at the same time, there's not that much time to keep it going. So we wouldn't be able to give it 100%. This way we can give it 33.33%. But, but also, sorry, just to add, we, do, yeah. we do do most things together anyway. Like, as, as they do as follow it, me. It, as a, like, no, as silly as it sounds, but like, if one of us is getting ready to go somewhere, Robbie's doing her hair, I'm probably maybe picking out clothes, Amna's doing the makeup, like all three of us, we we work together anyway. So it kind naturally of a good team. Yeah, you're naturally <laughs> a good team. I, I did want to pick up on something that Amna said. So you, you talked about the struggle of time between career and and doing this kind of thing. So, so Mahnoor, I know earlier on you mentioned that, you know, you were going into a career, well, um, a corporate job, right? Um, and maybe some of that, those plans have been put on hold because of COVID. But you also, I understand, have an interest in fashion and creating your own fashion brand. So have you ever thought or consulted with your sisters in terms of how you balance those two? Do you really want to go for a career option? Do you think you, you might want to, you know, try something different? No, that's that's a really good question. And and yeah, I, I talk to them about it all the time. I think I've driven them a little bit crazy, to be honest. More so my brother as well. I, I just talk about it all the time. Um, I think... I think for me, like Amna said, I like to think, I might be being too optimistic, but I like to think, you know, your options are limitless. There's, you don't have to do one thing at a time. Um, so I'm going into this uh, corporate job because I'm excited about it as well. I think it's going to be interesting, but also I, I do love designing and clothes and all that stuff. And it's always like, since I can remember, been like a passion of mine. Um, so in this limbo stage, that's what I'm focusing on. Even though for me, it was unforeseen and, um, and the circumstance I didn't I kind of see it coming it's kind of worked out because it's given me time to focus on something that I I loved and maybe wasn't able to give that much time to I think uh, something I've struggled with as well is giving time to different things in my life um so sort of like that prioritization so like Robbie I also did an internship at university like with my university at a technology company too and in that year I thought oh I'd be able to kind of focus on this stuff as well but I struggled because it was a full-time job um so now I'm trying to kind of take that step back and maybe try balance the two if, if I can so Robbie I'm, I'm I'm really interested in hearing your view on all of this because you've also obviously been quite bold in making a decision to jump from EY to your uh to your your current um uh, career choice and I also hear you're the most kind of tech savvy as it would or maybe the more more prolific social media user. I think that's how you would describe that. <laughs> so, so what's your thought on all of this? Um, uh, okay, so I think overall, my thought generally in life, like with things and what I've realized, and I keep telling Marnie and my, my younger cousins as well, is career is one thing. And I think we've all, I mean, Amna kind of started off on the right foot. We all followed along. We all did um, in terms of like securing a good career as soon as you come out of university good very good idea let's do that but I think one thing I've learned along the years and I've, I've graduated four years ago three three four years years ago so I've been working for three three four years now and one thing I learned is you don't have to succeed in one thing or give it your all in one part of life and then forget about the rest so I always say and I keep saying to my little cousin and I shouldn't say this I'm like oh so do you have anybody you know are you looking at any, you know, are you in a relationship? Or is there anybody that you're looking into? She's like, I'm focusing on my university. I'm focusing on my career. That's fine. But I think one thing I would always say to young people is like, you can focus on things and do other things on the side. Like you don't just have to be like, I have a career and I can only do my career. I have exams and I can only focus on university. You can do things and then on the side, do things you like to do. So keep moving 
doing other things. And I would, I don't want my siblings or anybody I'm close to to ever say to me, I don't have time for that. You always do. You can always make time for little things. Like you've got to grow in all areas. Don't just focus on one and waste your life away. Like there's so many other things. That's such an interesting and important point because it's actually come out in quite a few of my previous podcast interviews that we're moving towards this world where actually having a generalist skill set and interest in multiple different domains, but also making sure that you upskill yourself and equip yourself with the skills to be able to succeed in those domains is becoming even more important. As now, like, you know, swathes of jobs are going to be replaced by potential innovations in, in AI and, and technology, that's going to become even more important. So I think you've, you, you've, you've really suggested the, the right thing and a critical thing for people to take on board that make sure you, you have that generalist um, interest and, and pursue all of your interests equally it is tough, but it can be done. I mean, and all three of you are, are, are living proof of that. So that's great. So we're actually coming, <laughs> we're actually coming um, more towards the end of our interview. And time has just flown. Uh, we do like to do this little bit of a fun uh, thing at the end um, where I throw a random word at each one of you. And you kind of can just tell me what comes to your mind first. Um, it can be a word, it can be a question, it can be a remark, whatever it is. Um, but I guess because there's three of you, it'll be also interesting once I ask um, one of you, uh, one of you, the word that might have a connection with, with you, for the other two to also give their view in terms of what you think that word means to your sister. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. All right. So we have Rabia first. Um, so your word is connection. Okay, this is going to sound really weird. I know it makes no sense. But I just, the word that I thought of was life. I don't know. It just happened. Like I just, I was going to say back life. I don't know. And, and Amna and Amna, what do you think connection means in, in relation to Rabia? I think for Rabi, connection probably means people. And just keeping in touch. And I think that's one thing she does super, super well. Um, and that actually alludes to why we, we all joke about her social media presence and that she's very focused on it. But she's focused on keeping in touch with people. I agree. I would say people and loyalty for Robbie. I think that's what it means, being connected. It's my life. Awesome. Okay. That's why I said life. <laughs> You seem you seem like sort of the more kind of networked one amongst your 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 yeah, sisters. Definitely. Okay. I didn't they're all social, but I'm definitely the more I always find the good the best friends and they have to agree. Even even my other half said to me, it's like you managed to find some really good friends. So I build good connections. I like, and I then we become friends word. with her friends, and then her friends tell her that I'm better than her. <laughs> okay. I, I'm not gonna get too political on a Sunday, but <laughs> But I also t I, I say the same thing to my brothers, and I think it irritates them quite a bit. But actually, my brother, my, particularly sure. my, particularly my twin, he actually likes not being that friendly to lots of people, and he's always he takes the opposite angle. He's like, well, I'd rather have a few good friends, blah blah blah, than know <laughs> everyone, but not know everyone really well, kind of thing. <laughs> like, uh, to each to each their own, right? Hey. Um, so. Um, I had, the next word I have is for Mahnoor, and oh, it's probably going to be an easy one actually for you. It's um, fashion. Um, I think of it as expressing yourself. Is that cliche? What was your I, first word that you thought of? Genuinely express. I, is okay. that cliche? I just 
think um I always I hate it I, do, I don't like when people say oh I can't wear this and I can't rock this I'm just like it's fun just do it it's you and sisters what do you think fashion yeah, is Marnie's passion Fashion is Marnie's passion, but also more than that, I do think it's it's an outlet for Marnie to really express herself, and she encourages others to express themselves from it too as well. So I think it's it's uh, I completely agree with what she said. You know, Marnie's word to be described, and people have said this that people that analyze it is freedom. She's a freedom fighter. She really is, and I think fashion is genuinely in kind of a Muslim upbringing, especially for her. It's her way to like express herself in and I in a, it, fashion with Muslims growing up there is always connotations and there's always expectations and there's always you can and can't. There are, there just are some restrictions. Although Mani, I know we haven't faced many, but there generally are. And me and Amna probably face more than she has. Cause you know, as you get younger, but I think it's her way of kind of fighting a little bit. Yeah. I mean, fashion as a form of art and a form of activism can be a really, really powerful thing. Um, I, I, I still sometimes struggle looking at some of the stuff that goes, you know, on a catwalk and try, sometimes I struggle with like seeing the practical use of it or what it means. But, um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think if it's used in the right way to really, it can really be a powerful message. So yeah, awesome. And I'm not yours, yours again, it's probably easier, but I'm going to actually throw two words at you. Okay. Um, and you've, you've obviously got this special position because you arranged all of this to happen with your, with your sisters. <laughs> so um, first word I have for you is actually properties. Dad, <laughs> uh, just family business. That's what they do. Okay, and um, and the second what I have for you is makeup. To be honest, makeup to me is also uh, an outlet, just to, to 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 express myself or to just. I think Basically, makeup for you was a challenge in the beginning. It might have been, yeah. I I I genuinely think that makeup for me um, is something that. This is going to sound weird, and I hope I can articulate it correctly. But when people think of makeup, they think, oh, what's the big deal? And I, I, I love the fact that it's something that nobody takes seriously, but I can take it seriously. And that it is actually quite important. People don't realize the value of it um, because everybody needs it at some stage in their lives, or mainly, I suppose, girls need it or want it. And I think it's a skill to have different to um, what maybe our stereotypical sort of culture or upbringing would I mean I think if I told my mum and dad I'm going to be an MUA a makeup artist and not do anything else I think my dad would faint 100 percent yeah yeah um so it, it might not be my uh the, the main focus of my career but it's something I will keep on the side forever but for young kids out there Mohammed, I just want to add like I remember when we were younger so when I say younger, I mean maybe I was 12, Amna was 13. And I used to be the makeup go-to person because I was better than her, right? And then suddenly, I don't know what happened, and she just became epic. So it just goes to show that something that she probably wasn't very good at in the beginning, just the time, the effort. And Amna's one of those people, and I know a lot of people like this. She can be good at anything. She, she can be good at anything she puts her mind to. I think she kind of went out there in like a challenging way, learned what to do, became amazing at it then realize how good she is and now it's just become a passion. So for people out there, they need to know that you don't start off good at things. You become better and that's when they become a passion. That's important to know as well. And from from listening to all of you talk about makeup, for me, it sounds like um, like a lot of good things, for example, like taking up running, it can be used as a transformative power for someone's life. And yeah. 
anything that can be transformative to someone's life should be accessible as well. And so that's why I really like your idea on in terms of what you're trying to do. Because um, that, again, is breaking down barriers, is making things, um, is giving people, you know, the confidence to do things they might have not done otherwise. The one thing, sorry, I'd also say is yeah. just so important. I think in my, with my sisters as well, if there's something in specific you tell us we can't do, we will be like, yeah, we will. And that's so important for girls because I feel like guys have that naturally. And it may be a part of the fact that the, the society that we grow up in, there's this kind of confidence that they're given um, from when they're you know, from birth, essentially. And girls don't necessarily receive the same, not just Muslim girls, just in general. Um, it's so important to be feisty and it's so important to have ambition. And if you want to do it, just do it. Um, and that's something that for all your female listeners, I'd love for them to take away from this. That's, that's absolutely great. And thank you for sharing that really, really important message. Um, well, look, we've come to the end of our podcast. Um, thanks again so much. It was a really interesting chat here. And, and I really learned a lot from talking to all three of you. So um, I hope you'd also um, enjoy listening to this once it goes out. If you have liked this episode, please do like, share, comment and subscribe. Share with your friends and family. But until then, it's um, Assalamu Alaikum from me. Wa alaikum assalam. Wa alaikum assalam.